0: Ready?
1: So welcome back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a huge thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me in the adventurous lifestyle. If you guys need any gear for your next adventure, running, camping, climbing, hiking, you guys name it, these guys have it. So go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code, Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Also, a huge thank you to Free Brewing Co. Organic preservative free beer. You'll find them at Dan Murphy's and BWS. Big black can, silver letters that say free. Organic preservative free beer. It's a no brainer. Enjoy, guys. So, welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. Now, I'm sorry, everyone, I haven't had any episodes out for a few weeks. And I appreciate all the messages of froth I've had from listeners waiting for another. But I do apologize, I've had a hard month. I'm in the middle of the Australian outback on the best job I've ever had. But at the same time, while I've been away, I've just gotten bad news after bad news. So I've just had to have some time off. But with that, I want to pass on to the listeners to tell people in your life that you love them because you never know what's going to happen in the blink of an eye. Tell your mates, tell your partner, tell your family. Just tell those people that are important in your life what they mean to you. And so for this episode, I want to dedicate it to my mate Chad. Chad, I still can't believe you're gone, brother. You are nothing but kind to me. I've had nothing but amazing memories with you, and I'm so lucky I got to have those moments in life with you, bro. That trip we did up to Moya Island north of Sumbawa, and went and dove that pinnacle, you taught me so much about diving on that trip. Or the time the time we surfed that secret slab in Indo and Giant Ricky would just go on ham, and then you took off and just got flogged. And then I was laughing so hard, and then I took off on the next one and just got slammed on the reef. But yeah, we got to share some good waves together, bro. I'll never forget that night we had that huge party in Sumbawa at the boys' house and I pulled out the mushroom tea and got like 60 people tripping balls and we were laughing so hard and you just couldn't, you couldn't even stand up. So I was holding you up and you were just melting into my arms and we we're just laughing so much. I still remember the glow in your face and how funny it was. Your cheeks, just so red and yeah. It was good times, dude, and I'm like, I'll never forget those memories. I'll never forget you, mate, and i miss you, brother. You'll always be in my heart.
0: Okay,
1: so this episode, you're about to meet Steve Payne, a guy that really suits his name. You'd be scared shitless if you ran into him in a dark alleyway because by his looks, you can tell he's a trained fighter and just a hard man. But behind his rugged exterior, there is an honorable man that is just one really nice guy. He's a Muay Thai fighter, ex-military, and he's an officer in a youth detention center. So with this comes a lot of heavy stories. This is one of those episodes that just builds and builds with hectic stories. So I really want to thank Steve for his time to tell us some wild stories and give us some great life insights. Listen to this one to the end. You won't be disappointed. Enjoy, guys.
0: Alright,
1: so in true dies of the Wild Ones fashion... We're out out of the studio in the middle, this time in the Australian Outback. Now, we're sitting here at a roadhouse. What would you guys call this? This is a roadhouse called The Roadrunner in Cloncurry, Queensland. And we're here with some work friends. When we first started on this TV set, we started working with this guy named Steve. And I remember we're sitting there. I, was, I still remember the moment when I looked at you, Steve. And I was like, who is that badass motherfucker sitting over there? And I think I think it was Maddie or someone in this group whispered to me and said that is Jason Stateman's stunt double and I was like fuck off so that was the rumor. and there was all these rumors going around about who you were and then as getting to know you after you know working with you on this tv set the last month it's like all these stories are coming out and of who you are and like your backstory which I find so interesting and that's why we're sitting here today and I've invited some of our work friends to sit here with us And so you're going to hear the background noise, you're going to hear beers opening, you're going to hear beers being drunk, it's always beers, but you're going to hear these noises and you guys feel free to ask any questions, just do it in the mic. But Steve, you're the man of the hour, from what we know about you, you're ex-military, you're an MMA fighter, you're this one badass looking motherfucker, you're originally from New Zealand, but I think we're here now to, to sit down and actually learn the story or hear the story of how you became you.
2: Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, well. Well. First thing is, is uh, yeah. Not. I not I've never done MMA in my life. Oh. So.
1: Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I keep getting that one mixed up. Hey. <laughs> eh? Like when I said you're a UFC fighter. You're like. No. No. no it's mixed martial arts is not mixed martial arts.
2: No. No. It's Muay. Thai. Muay. Thai. Muay Thai. Yeah. 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 So completely different. Yeah. Totally different. No grappling. No. No ground fighting. No cage. Yeah. So just as scary. Oh, highly scary. Yeah. Yeah. it Can be. Yeah.
1: What's it? So wait, you. We'll get into this a bit later, but you have done, like, 86 fights or something.
2: Yep, I've had 86 fights.
1: Do you get scared when you jump into the ring with someone?
2: Every time. Every time, right? No matter who they are? It doesn't matter who they are because you're you're stepping into a ring to have a fight. You're going to get hit. You're going to get punched in the face. You're going to get injured. There's... I don't think there's an actual fighter out there that doesn't get scared in some form or shape or level before they actually step into the ring do you like getting here i don't not like it but i like avoiding it does that make sense yeah yeah
1: yeah, like the own game with you in you yeah yeah
2: so it's like
1: well i think that's a that's a place to start is like how did you were you a fighter when you were young like how did it come about like where's where does your story start for you steve
2: my, my story starts when I was young, man, like, we're talking six, seven years old, and um, it's actually got nothing to do with fighting, it's it's all to do with uh, saving, actually. Um, right, so let, let me start, let me start, okay. So, young fella, I'm pretty sure was around, yeah, around six, seven, seven years old. And I uh, went down to the local creek with me brother and my mum, and went went down to have a swim. And after after the after that, I'm in I'm in the water. I'm playing around. I'm jumping off banks and stuff like that. And it was time to sort of head off and have something to eat. And we crawled out of the river. My little bro walks away, and I'm not too sure why I did this. So I just did it. Right. So I just turned around and I looked back in the river, and the most randomest thing happened it was um a baby, a little baby, and I'm talking little right um started floating past me in the water, so I'm looking down at a baby under the water now this was probably about a, a meter deep, yeah, about a meter deep, and it was halfway between the bottom and the surface, so he's just floating there. Getting swept down by the current. Had his little arms out, and he was um, face up, so I could see his eyes open as well. And uh, something happened. Like, I suppose it's uh, everyone has this, but um, experiencing that at such a young age and recognizing it—it was—it was pretty intense. So we're talking split second decision making. I guess is a good way to good way to put it so if you can imagine yourself standing on a riverbank seeing a little baby come floating past you if you didn't react there and then in the exact split second that it takes to either make or break it you know so everything happened so fast I, I did this jump but the way that I jumped off the bank was the angle and allow for the movement of the current. Um, the way I landed, so I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't over my head or anything like that. So I judged, judged the bend of my body, arms outstretched, legs out, ready to land. And so as my feet hit the bottom of the river, my arms wrapped around this little kid, and um, I just pulled him up. Just stood up and pulled him up. And, uh you know how babies stick their arms out and yeah. do that so he was doing that under the water, and as I picked the baby up, he uh was doing that he just took this big breath all of a sudden and was just looking at me, no crying, no noise, no movement, just just looking at this little baby in my arms now I couldn't believe what was happening right then and everything that I'd just done, so the the judgment of of Oh, it's actually quite hard to explain. No,
1: it's okay. Take your time. Like, um, like of how you reacted in that yeah. situation, like learning about yourself that you could.
2: Well, I didn't learn anything right then. I just reacted, and it all just worked out really well. Um, if I had misjudged my angle to jump, you know, the current would have carried on with this baby, and then I would have been fighting the water to get to it. Um, these are all afterthoughts that yeah. happened. Afterwards, yeah, so I'll go back to holding the baby up. So I pull her out of the water I'm looking around start looking around and There's no one around I'm like where the fuck does this baby come from? You know, obviously upstream so I start looking up there and oh, Within a few seconds really um, I see a couple of adults a mum and a dad rushing around freaking out so I yelled out just a just a big oi just like, oi, and um Yeah they seen, I don't know, it must have been pretty trippy for them, you know, like, seeing a little kid holding their baby out of the water 20, 30 metres away from them, you know, and so they came running down, and I stayed in the river, I didn't pull out or anything, I just stayed there, they jumped in and took the baby, and a bit bit of a state of shock themselves, I suppose, um, didn't say anything to me or nothing, just... Walked off with the baby, so I was standing in this river, just thinking, and that's when it all came. That's when it all came rushing in, like what just actually happened. And I crawled up the bank, caught up to mum and my brothers, and told mum, and she looked at me like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, I just pulled a baby out of the river." And she said, oh, "What? What happened? You're like, where's the parents now?" I said, "Up, oh, just over there a bit." So she ran off, <coughs> checked in. Came back, and she just put her hand on my shoulder and smiled, gave me a nod. Well done, son. Sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, right. But, what I learnt from that, like, I was thinking about it all day, all week, all month, all year. Just this one, I still think about it now. You know, and I'm uh, 42, 42 years old now. And it's still, it's still real fresh and clear. So big impact real big impact on my life as a as a young kid so did that doing that act of like kind of saving
1: or that hero heroic act was that something that like did you that feeling that you got from that is that something that you realized that you were able to do more of or like what did that what did that feeling or like what did that moment like teach you
2: um what i'm capable of doing
1: what you're capable of doing yeah so so it's like you found your strength in that moment yeah
2: Yeah, like, like being able to think and react within split seconds, Um, calculations, things like that, like your situational awareness, and just, it's just, it was just absolutely mind blowing, really, when I think about it, and and I've thought about it for fucking years, you know, I'm just thinking for a little kid to be able to react, react so quickly not freak out like most six seven year olds would be like yelling out for help or something yeah uh, but if i had done that that baby would have carried on so it was up to me to do something about it there and then or we might not have seen that child again you know yeah so
1: yeah and even even to the fact of like jumping in the river like you know like kids like my nephew i take him bridge jumping all the time and he's absolutely shit scared of like of heights of like you know flowing water waves everything and i have to like coax him into doing it like i can see him in that moment being like too scared to react like you know what i mean and not putting him down or taking anything away from him it's just like it really making me think about like you as that six or seven year old being able to like react so quickly in those moments yeah
2: well yeah
1: because we all like to think of ourselves as the hero and to be able to do that. But, like, when it actually comes down to it, like, the fear is so overwhelming, you know?
2: There was no fear. I, I definitely remember not not being afraid whatsoever, but I do remember if I don't do something right now, who knows what would have happened.
1: So is that that moment. Did that set up?
2: <clears throat> yeah. So that gave me a bit of strength in myself, I suppose, of... Um, realizing under pressure you know i can do these things i know i know what it's like to make the right decisions at the right time but not it's not just that though man it's like these calculations go through through my head as well so another example (coughs) and now i was 10 years old this time i know i was 10 and um i saw a van coming down this road uh, down down a slope and at the end of the slope there's a roundabout and I remember looking to my right, seeing this van coming a bit too fast for the roundabout. Now I'm only ten. No, not many ten-year-olds can look at something like that and go, "You're going too fast for a roundabout." Yeah. Like um, it just, I was just thought, "Oh shit, this is shit's going down." I remember in my head, "This, this is something's going to happen here. That's really bad." So I started running on an angle away from this van. And sure enough, I kept my eye on it, and I hit the roundabout, went to go around it, and then rolled. It was going too fast and as it rolled I don't know how many times it rolled but it definitely definitely rolled a couple of times by the time it stopped it was directly in front of me so I don't know how or it just made sense to run in this one spot so as it stopped rolling it, it, I skittled up the back of the van ran along the top which was the side of it because it was on its side and I pulled open the car door and there was two ladies in there strapped in but um the driver side up passenger side down as i opened up the door i looked in and first thing i said was uh, are you guys okay you know you're right the next thing i saw was me being able to jump down into the van and undo the seat belts because they were stuck there um there's no blood there was no no injuries or such that i could see but I was only 10 as yeah. well and um Just as I was about to jump in and grab, uh, well just undo the seatbelt so they could at least get out, um, I got grabbed by the hips and pulled off the top of the van and shuffled back to the crowd of adults that had finally showed up. You know, so everybody seen it. Um, During that, during that whole event, what I remember was seeing what was going to happen as it was happening running in the direction where I thought that the van was going to stop but I also remember everyone else just standing still and looking and watching and just frozen in place but um as a 10-year-old kid you know to, to be able to do that I I knew what was happening and I knew that I needed to trust my instincts, I suppose yeah. you know just go with it, you know what's happening, react now because otherwise it's just not going to happen, so I reacted and oh shit what what really blows me away with that one is is the same the same as the first time you know um we got the calculations, you know the speed, the roll, the where I thought it was going to land, well where I knew it was going to stop being able to. See the back of the van, and yeah, I can get up that. So I just skittled up it, ran along the top, opened up the door. Everything was just flowing, and I was just reacting to what was going on inside me. I suppose, just letting it happen. But yeah, same thing. Just got when I got ripped off, <laughs> when I got pulled off the off the thing by the adults, and just shuffled to the back. Um, I was standing there at the back of the crowd, and. Watching people trying to get these two ladies out of the car and Yeah, they were struggling. Like really struggling to get things done, eh? And I was just standing there just going, Fuck what I could have had them out by now. And um Yeah, did you
1: feel like you're more capable in that yeah, moment? Yeah, I
2: did. I did, I really did. And then
1: you didn't get the respect because you were like a little kid. That you know, they're trying to protect you, society's yeah. trying to protect you. They're like, All right, get the yeah. kid out of here. And... Yeah,
2: get them out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really. Yeah, uh, I don't know so I just sort of walked back over to where mum was and she did the same thing just put a hand on my shoulder and told me well done yeah. look of admiration in her eyes so by the time I was 10 years old you know to have those two major events there was a few smaller ones too um, where the same sort of thing happened yeah. you know you saw it happening I reacted and and I, and I, and I pulled it off and um, I learned to really trust your guts. It's like the old saying, you know, trust your guts. Like, actually trust it. Like, a lot of people judge themselves, uh, question themselves. say, say oh, should I, shouldn't I not fucking do it? Yeah. It's like every every time
1: in my life where I haven't trust, trusted my gut instinct, and that's normally normally been in surfing. It's like, you know, a wave comes and I, I go to take off, and then I'm like, I have that feeling, don't do it. And then I do it and something bad happens you know wipe out yeah it's like busting i remember when i busted my knee the last time i busted it i had a feeling that it was about to snap like that and i just you know you push through it you're like oh no no it's just a feeling yeah but it's like the more yeah the more you get in line with yourself and trust that you know it's like well i always kind of think like in more of a spiritual sense it's like you know the universe is trying to look out for you Your body's trying to look out for you and it's just like if you go with that you're kind of blessed if you don't you're just
2: fighting it yeah that's right yeah yeah so like i guess um the whole point of this sort of talk is yeah you could i want to get it across to people like really really listen to um
0: your guts your guts hey here it is
2: yeah yeah so me and um jace he's the medic on the on the show here we used to go across the road from our place. We lived on a farm, and across the road was this forestry area where the neighbours would um, put their horses. We used to cruise over there on our days off and stuff like that and um, jump on these horses, and they'd just walk around the tracks they've made, jump off, go home, do it on a regular basis. And one time we were on these horses, bareback, no saddles, no nothing. I like We'd just jump up on them, and they'd just walk around freely. We went along this track, this new one that they'd made. And it came up to a corner of a fence so we we're following the fence line and then the fence hit the corner and went to the left but the track stopped at the fence and Jason he was on the front horse I was on the second one and i seen this horse turn its head look right turn his head look left and then it looks straight ahead and as that as this horse done that I quickly jumped off mine started running towards his and Jason's horse jumped over the fence. Now we're not holding on to anything. So if you can imagine just sitting on the back of a horse and having um it leap from underneath you, you're gonna roll backwards. Yeah. yeah and this is what happened to JC. Rolls backwards. <coughs> came off the horse, landed on his head, smashed it on a fucking rock. <coughs> and um pretty much knocked himself out. Right, so he's laying on the ground blood starting to pour out of his head i i get over this fence as my horse walked up to it and i knew that he's going to jump as well so i just grabbed jason pulled him out of the way just as the horse that i was riding jumped over and landed exactly where he was so it was the same feelings running through my body like get off now because he's going to jump and sure enough he jumped. you got to get over that fence before your horse gets there and um get your brother out of the way. So Yeah, I just, just reacted to what was going through my mind, my body, everything. Yeah. And and you heightened. The the sense of of if you don't do this now, it's gonna be worse
1: yeah but i suppose the, the difference is to other people and you in this situation by this time in your life at this stage in your your life you've kind of learnt that lesson mm. so like the more you get in tune with that the more you listen to your body the more like you're listening to your intuition yeah you know what i mean you're trusting your intuition so it's like you're putting all your faith or your trust into that yeah and it's like kind of paying off
2: yeah it paid off every time every single time you know um yeah so from there you yeah, um, know, I got into martial arts at a young age. Used to, I, I, I found myself quite comfortable with it and, quite, and got quite good at it quite quickly. So pretty, bit of a natural, I suppose. You know, like, yeah, you get the natural sportsmen's. Yeah. they just somehow pick it up. Yeah, so it was like that with martial arts.
1: Were you, were you ever bullied as a kid?
2: Nah, nah. Oh, we had a school bully that bullied everyone. Yeah. You know, and, uh, he was a scary man. Fuck, he was scary to run from him heaps. I think about him now and it still gives me the shivers. Yeah, so we had
1: Evan, I forget his last name, but he lived at the at the bowl, the skate bowl across at the park. He, he'd run away from home and he lived at the bowl and he would come to the school in the afternoons. He was a couple of years older and just chase us home, all the kids. And I remember he would always, when he got one, he would just bash him. And I remember everyone, was, people always had black eyes. And I remember one time he nearly got me and he was like chasing me across the sports field and I could I could hear him breathing pretty much down the back of my neck. I could yeah, hear his yeah. footsteps and he, I just got away from him. But I used to, like I would get home from school and he would be in my backyard smoking my dad's cigarettes, like telling me to like get him food. And I'd be so scared, you know, because he'd be like, <laughs> I think he was two or three years older than me, and huge. And he would just beat everyone up because he was this kid that was kicked out of home and lived at the bowl. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I was got, just got he he nothing same, to lose.
2: Same story. I ran across the sport field without bully chasing. I say, and yeah, I could hear the breathing and that. And I was like, man, I've got to get away from this guy. Yeah, yeah,
1: You're like if he gets me, I'm dead. Yeah, you know, and I hadn't done anything to him. He just he just was angry and wanted to let it out on someone.
2: Yeah. So no, I'd never never been bullied as such. Um.
1: So martial arts was literally just a a thing you're interested in that you just started just
2: well if i if I'm truthful about it it was because I was a shit of a kid got into a lot of feeding, used to break and do a lot of houses, swim out into the harbor and raid all the boats and all that sort of stuff, just so getting started getting brought home heaps by the cops and mum just had enough and just thought I need to get this kid doing something so she got me into martial arts um mainly for a disciplinary side of things and you know, open your eyes, you're a bit better than what you think you are, sort of stuff.
1: And, yeah, a place to direct your energy.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um yes and it worked. It worked for me. So first martial art I I done was Kung Fu. Um, Owen Kung Fu. And that was very internal. A lot of visualisation, um a lot of flashy manoeuvres too, so it wasn't exactly a fighting style but it was more more of a confidence-building, flashy, gymnastic type of uh, martial art. So you're doing your jumping, spinning kicks, and you pull off these cool ass manoeuvres and stuff, and you're just like, fuck <laughs> yeah!" You, know, you wouldn't try and do that in a fight, because yeah. it would just be a waste of time. But it was cool to just do, be able to learn. Uh, a lot of breaking boards and tiles and stuff like that. And then, I think it was 14, when I was 14 years old, I kind of had enough of of this, what I call now, oh, it was semi-contact. So when we go into competitions, it was all semi-contact point fighting. So you had to show control, precision, technique to get the points. But if you hit them too hard and you caused injury or you knock someone out somewhere, something like that, you got disqualified. Yeah, so you could kick someone in the face, but it was more of a tap. You know, you couldn't cause injury. So you had to show control on that. So I um, ended up winning the Waikato point fighting championships went on to the North Island Championship this is back in New Zealand and and then took out the New Zealand title and that but I moved towns so I went from my little country town to a city and come across Mu Thai and thought oh yeah full contact okay here we go and uh, by the time I was 15 I had my first fight and yeah that was scary man because it's in New Zealand back then it wasn't uh age groups or nothing like that it was weight and experience so my experience was nil. Didn't have any contact, any full contact fights. Nothing. Been training in it for about a year, and the opponent was 23. Had three fights, and had won them all. all right. So amateur amateur kickboxing, and um, I remember sitting in the changing rooms. And I could, uh, the first two fighters, I was, I was the fifth fighter of the night, and the first fight cruises out, the old fighter, and he walks out, and all I could hear sitting in the change rooms was the thump, the thump of the, the ring, the roar of the crowd, the oos and ahs, and, like, why well, you... Yeah, you have been to a fight night? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when someone gets hurt, the crowd cheers. You know, when they knock them out, the crowd cheers and stuff like that. And uh, you're kind of sitting there thinking, "Oh shit, man, what I- yeah. <laughs> the fuck have I got myself into?" You no, know, sometimes
1: and, I don't. I don't like watching it because it, it it ignites something in me, and it's it, I see it as so brutal, and it kind of like I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't like watching it. So I don't like people like seeing people get hurt, and then at the the same time, it like sparks like this animal. Instinct, inside yeah. you, and you like, yeah. and I, and I don't like seeing that with inside myself sometimes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that there was, that wasn't there. I was just a, a, a fifteen-year-old kid that was about to fight a man. So, I was, I was freaking out. I started really, really freaking out. I was scared, like, real, real afraid, because I saw the guy come in and he's got a big black eye and. He's bleeding out his mouth and limping and he's, he's been bashed up, you know. And then the second fighter goes out, same thing. You hear the roar, you hear the thump of the ring. You hear the you hear the oh, the bloodlust in the crowd, I suppose. And then he comes in and he's bleeding and swollen and limping. And, and he won the fight, you know, he's got the winning trophy. And then the third fight, same thing. Fourth fight, same thing. But as the fourth fight was happening, I really started to freak out. And uh, my trainer, he was like, I "No, you've got this, man. You've, you've got this. You can go out there and, and and take this out." And I was just thinking, "Shit, I can't do this. I've got to pull out." You know, in my mind, I never voiced it, but inside me, I was just going, "You can't do this. You're going to get fucking snapped in half." Yeah,
1: the, the anxiety's setting in.
2: Big time, big time. So yeah. what he did is he 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 actually ran out to the crowd and got my got my mum. And uh, she came in. She looked at me and was freaking out herself. I could see it. She was like, she just watched the first four fights. Yeah. You know, and she's like, shit, my little boy's going to come in and go to yeah. have to deal with that, you know. But what she did is uh, stuck her hand on my shoulder, looked at me, and said, feel the fear and do it anyway. And
1: Shit, that's so powerful th- right there.
2: Yeah, and then walked out. And I was, I was like, fuck, like, what the... And I just sat there and I thought about it, and I thought about it. The, the four fights going on, I can hear the thump, I can hear the crowd. And I was just sitting there going, okay, so this is what it's like to be afraid. This is the feeling of being scared and afraid. And in that moment, I kind of embraced it. <clears throat> I was like, thought about, well, when you're happy, you laugh, you know, and you can feel like anyone can be happy and laugh. You know, when you're sad, you cry. Um, anyone can sit there and feel real, feel real sad, and start crying. No worries. So this is what it's like when you're afraid. This is just a feeling. So I, I, I felt it. I just felt the fear. And
1: fuck, it's making me scared. Then it is. I'm feeling it in my heart. Can you guys?
2: Yeah, that too, is like, Yeah. Yeah, my, my my heart's actually thumping right now, I think yeah. it was take a living it back again. And um <clears throat> and then he came in, same thing, limping, bleeding, swollen. And then it was, then it was my turn. So I had to get up off where I was sitting, walk up to the door, put my hands on my trainer's shoulders and then uh Went to walk out now i had to walk down these stairs it was in a pub had to walk down these stairs and then walk through the crowd and i didn't look at the crowd i just sort of looked at my trainer's back and as i was walking through it i could hear hear comments like oh this guy's tall oh shit, he looks he looks mean and, and i could hear all these little thoughts i can't not very clear but they weren't put down so uh they were compliments, mm. and that sort of—I was freaking out. Hey, eh? I was thinking every step was hard, and then you start hearing these compliments, and you're like, "Oh, hang on, maybe I got this." And I stood up and got into the ring, turned around, saw the other fellow, and he was shorter than me. So straight away, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, well, that's 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 good. I have got the reach advantage, meant in the center of the ring, bit of eye contact, and I saw then he was doubting himself. I thought oh. uh,
1: him looking at you was yeah doubting himself.
2: he was you could see it I could see it I could see he was doubting himself he's like oh man what have I got myself at this guy's fucking tall you know like I was this height at fifteen so that sort of picked up my confidence a bit I was still afraid though I was still freaking out because I'm still only fifteen you know I'm still yeah. just still just a kid and yeah you could hear his support crew. You know, they were cheering him on and you know, and I didn't hear too much coming my way, but it was there. But um just all I could hear now was people cheering him on to bash the shit out of me. Uh, and yeah, it was quite freaky. Yeah. The bell goes, round one, all of it gone. All of a sudden, man, just bam, just like this, I wasn't afraid anymore. And that whole gut instinct thing kicked in again so i was like reading situations like he would go to throw a punch um i watch i watch the footage even now when i watch it I, I remember the punches and that and if i'm showing someone they'll be like oh man he just smashed you look at the fucking far your head went back in that but you just came straight back what it was really was me seeing this punch coming not not being able to move in time so i'd just go with it and it looked like he'd had hit me hard, but really it, it didn't. Like I went with it. Yeah. Um, a split second decision, just to fuck you better go with this punch because otherwise you're going down, sort of thing. Yeah. So really, it was ended up being more of a push than an actual hit. Uh, same with this Kirk's. I don't know. I could just see it all coming. I was able to either move with it or get out of the way. You know. And once once I'd finished that fight. I saw oh hang on i saw a few openings and stuff like that through the first round and then the second round i've seen the same opening so i took my shot and i knocked him out in the second round right at the end right at the end he he went down um you're saved by the bell so we had a third round and yeah i just every time i saw this opening i just kept hitting it and stunned him and out he went he was bleeding everywhere it was like a waterfall, blood coming from his nose and his mouth. So I just attacked that, just kept on hitting it. And, uh, that was part of the train. You see blood, you, you attack it. So that's what I did. And, yeah, I, I, I it was a unanimous decision. One, all the judges were like, yep, you definitely won that round. And that round and that one. So getting your arm raised as the winner of your first fight as a 15-year-old was, uh, yeah it was pretty cool
1: what did that do for your confidence you know by being so fearful at the start and like learning at the start to the fact that you stepped into that fear was that like did you learn so much from that that you could step up in that fear and still come through
2: what i, what I learned is the fear is a natural rea- reaction it's a natural response to you stepping into danger you know you are it's happening you know it's, it's going to happen. You're about to have a fight. You're about to go up against someone that wants to take your head off. So naturally you're going to have some sort of a, f- a fear factor. As your first one though, it's, it's just really intense. It's the, what I learned from it was, it's just a feeling. It's just like being happy. It's just like being sad. You know, It's, it's just a feeling. Everyone's used to being happy and sad. Because like, that happens all the time. But as soon as you're afraid, you're not afraid on a daily basis. You know, as soon as it happens, it's foreign. It's like a foreign feeling. And you either want to run from it or you want to fight your way out of it. You know, the fight or flight response sort of shit. But I tell you, if you just accept it, feel it and recognize it for what it is, it's easier to cope with. You're allowed to be afraid. There's no shame in it. You just, you just accept it because the moment that bell goes, it's gone. Mm. It's gone. It's on. So it, kind of, it goes into a whole new new ballgame of feelings. Yeah.
1: I've, t- I've talked <coughs> about it before on podcasts about, about fear. And it's, it's in, in like the, the highest sense of the term, it's like as soon as you fear, you die. And not that fear is, fear is rational, but it's like what are you going to do with that fear? Like if that fear comes in and you just sit in that fear, you can't react and you can't react rationally. So I was like, is that something that like you learned like with that fear? Like even though that's, it, it kind of sounds to me like that that's what you're saying. It's like that fear is just a feeling and then like, so feel it yeah, and then like yeah. rationalize it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can attack it where it's like, as soon as you sit in that fear, you just, you, you die. You know, you know what I mean? Like you're, yep. you're open to anything, yep. like anything can happen to you. And it's like, you know, in a way it's like the last few years, it's like, that's something that I kept diving into myself. I remember, um when I did the mountain crossing in Iceland, I had to drop into this mountain. I was on the top of a mountain and I had to drop, drop in a blind run. So I'd, I'd spot, like climbed up the ice wall, I'd, I'd hit the summit, and now I had to go down the other side. And I remember um, stripping it, uh, strapping back in the split board into a snowboard that I had on my back and, and standing on this peak of this huge mountain and, and looking down, and I'd never... I'd never done that level of snowboarding before or anything. And I had a 20 kilo pack on my back. And I remember it took me probably about 20 minutes to get out the courage. But I was like, what I, it was exactly what I wanted out of that trip. And that trip is what I wanted was to be put in a situation whereas I had no other option but to go into my fear. Yeah. And I yeah. remember I had the tremble so bad. And I, had, and I remember sitting there going, like, all right, well, there's nothing I can do here. This, exactly that feeling. It's like, this is just fear. But it's like I have to, I have to do it. You, gotta you know what it, I mean? Yeah. And if I sit and in, drop into this scared, and I don't calculate what I'm about to do, I'm gonna fucking die. <laughs> like, as <'cause> I will. <laughs> like, I'll just, you know, I'm like sitting on top of a vert peak right now, about to airdrop down a fucking mountain. And I just remember sitting there, like, breathing into it and saying, all right, I've got this confidence. Because that's the same thing in surfing. As soon as you question it, you eat it. Yep. As soon as you're confident and you go for it and you believe in yourself, that's when you make it. Yep. And I just had to sit there and go through that. So that's that's the only way I can relate to that is, like, that, like, that's...
2: that's it's exactly what it's like, man. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just got to learn to accept it.
1: Did you see yourself as a fighter as being like, you know, like fighting other human beings? Do you see that as brutal?
2: No, no. Some of them, are, uh, look, I'll tell you, apart from the odd individuals that probably shouldn't be in the game in the first place, that um, you become best mates,
0: mm.
2: you know, you become best mates. You just beat the limb daylights out of someone and then straight afterwards you're hugging and fucking congratulating each other and making sure they're okay and having a beer afterwards and just talking and you see them six months down the track down the road, you know, and you've actually had a fight with this dude. Yeah. You know? Like, I hey, think we can all hey, relate bro, to that you know, to
1: like, like to primary school with a schoolyard bully. I remember every every time I got into a punch up straight away, it's like especially if you gave it a good go, straight away you're shaking hands straight after and then you're mates with them. Yeah yeah well, not all the time, but you not, know like not in all prime. Time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still I still remember that you know what I mean it's just that coming of age kind of thing, but mm. but you going into that fear and, and that first fight and like learning how you can you can use that fear to your advantage in, in a way, like what did that do to your life, like what happened after that fight?
2: Well, after that fight, I had uh, another eighty five fights, so every time I had one, it became easier build up to it like uh, the, my second fight you know like you're you booked in in a month's time you now know you're having a fight in a month so straight away like you start thinking about it it's like oh man this is happening you know, yeah. and then three weeks come then two weeks and then your last week you're like I'm having a fight at the end of this week And
1: so did you get addicted to that feeling?
2: I didn't get addicted to it as such it just became a part of it it was just it's just a part of it so
1: what about
2: when you lost yeah well same thing it's a part of it the better man won Um, but throughout all my fights it was the ability to read what was happening Um, right from the the moment that you're facing your opponent you knew that you had him the first punch they throw you know you've got it you can block that, it's easy you can dodge that, that's easy I saw it coming a mile away the ones that I lost must have been the same caliber of person that I would found myself becoming because they were dodging my hits. They were seeing, like, I remember throwing this brilliant kick one time and I thought, oh, I've got you, and he just missed. And I thought, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then I'm also understanding shit. He, he knows what I know. Yeah. You know, he he can read as well. He can calculate. He can do all that sort of stuff that's happening too. Because a, a counter-strike came firing straight back.
1: Would that scare you or ignite you?
2: Didn't it? Didn't scare me. It made me more aware. And I thought, okay, here we go. Right, and this isn't so easy now. Um. And and I had to dig deeper. I had to work harder. Um. You know, four of those those fights, oh sorry, five of those fights that I lost was by points and one was by knockout so they all went on to become pretty damn good fighters, all of them that beat me Um, I ended up, like I was a New Zealand champion there at 17 I lost the title by one point and I remember the moment too I was so tired, man. I was so tired. It was the fifth round, and it was hit for hit. You know, so we both ended up. Um, if he hit me, I'd have to hit him back twice just to stay a point on him. If I hit him twice, he had to hit me back three times. And it was just constant. It was just hit for hit after that, every round. So you, I was that exhausted, that tired. You know, my face is swollen. You know, I could taste the blood. I can smell it oh man the the ache in the legs from just being kicked in the legs you know you, you've got to hold yourself up on these legs that have just been battered and bruised for, for a good 10 minutes and right at the end of the fifth round he threw a jab now I saw it coming but I also remember thinking ah, it's just a jab and it fucking hit me square in the face and then the bow went and it was that that jab, that clean, crisp jab, that got me, that that got him the the final point, and he won the fight, just on a jab. Yeah. Now that guy went on to become a, a world champion, so I'm pretty happy with that.
1: Yeah. Does it in those moments you're saying your face is swollen, you can taste the blood? Like, is there pain in that, or no, is that there's something
2: no that comes after? No, there's absolutely no pain. That it, it all comes afterwards
1: and that, what what is that downside because you're, you're living these highs like these highs on adrenaline these highs like in the ring like where where you're not feeling this pain so what happens after like the down is especially if you have lost a fight where you're sitting there and you're like dealing with the pain you're dealing with the swelling you're dealing with like the 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 loss kind of thing like is that are they are those moments of darkness?
2: nah not at all no no definitely not to me I've actually I've seen people going through that and you can see yeah that is a moment of darkness for them but the they're usually people with big egos um they think they can take on the world and win you know like there's always someone better than you no matter what you know you're going to get older Someone's going to be more hungrier someone's going to be more quicker sharper yeah. you know um they're going to train an extra three hours more than you a week and they're just going to be that little bit more on edge you know just that sharp a little bit yeah um,
1: how do you take your ego out of fighting because it's like you, you don't know, like, you don't
2: bring it into it, you don't. You don't have to take it out if you don't bring it in. Mm. You know. Oh, I think ego is um, uh, 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 I think it's for lesser people. Mm. If that's the right, right thing to say there, actually. Um,
1: yeah, they're doing it for the wrong reason. Yeah, it's what it's you always
2: know? look at me. I'm a fighter. Yeah. I did. I did it because I loved it and I was good at it. Um, all all because. Of that little baby okay. going down that river and just reacting that way you know I, I often think about that with with everything so all the fights that I've had all the um, situations I've been in and all that sort of stuff you know it, it just got I always think about that little baby
1: is that why you went to the military because you knew you're someone that could react you knew you're someone that could jump into those situations
2: well my brother my brother joined up first and he was telling me about it and I was like oh yeah yeah I could probably get into that And ended up joining joining the New Zealand Army joined up with the Infantry Corps met some dudes met some mates and that, that, that's another thing um, with military is you, you make mates for life and you go through the shit together and they, they all tend to look up to someone to get through the tough times and I happen to be that someone. And so how I carried myself, how I reacted in situations. And uh, and we're talking like, you know, your corporal comes along, tells you to lay down in a puddle of mud and look out that way. So you do. You lay down in this puddle of mud and you just look out that way. And then two hours later, you're still laying in this puddle of mud, looking out that way freezing freezing cold and and numb and fighting thoughts of home and stuff like that you know, i could be sitting at home on the couch in front of my fire what the fuck am i doing laying in this pile of mud you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know and all this sort of stuff but as soon as you start showing that sort of things your mate next to you who's about five meters away and and laying in misery as well you know he looks over to you and he sees a professional new zealand soldier doing his job yeah. Uh, so he would pick his game up and so on down the line you know? so it spreads if i had been all oh fuck this i want to fucking this is shit and all that then that would have spread as well yeah so i know that so, just, so you, just don't do it
1: would you get strength in knowing that you could be the strong one like as in like you knowing you don't want to let the boys down like that they're looking up to you Kind of thing, like like that responsibility of like
2: it's more of a responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say a strength as such, because um, it's it's hard, man. Like, you got people looking up to you, and you're feeling like shit. You are feeling yeah. bad, and mm-hmm. you you're just human, you know. Heroes, um, in in my opinion, um, are just people that have done the right thing, you know. They've just reacted and done the right thing. They they don't think they're heroes. They don't go out looking to be a hero. It just happens. They did the right thing, and everybody around them classes them as a hero. Mm. But they, they're just scared. They're just still afraid. You know, I've seen people shaking and f- break down, crying after a heroic act. You know, and yeah. just just falling apart. I've done that myself. You know, and just just absolutely falling apart afterwards and um that's normal as well so it's just a matter of accepting it
1: in in the army did you find yourself in those situations a lot
2: yeah yeah there's a few from doing tours yeah yeah definitely a few
1: where where did where did the army take you
2: oh what do you what do you mean by that like like within within myself or or physically i I suppose both
1: like like did it take you to afghanistan did it take you i I remember you telling (coughs) me about samoa
2: Solomon islands Solomon Islands. That was the that was the the big one. So it was meant to be just a little peacekeeping hearts and minds sort of tour. And it ended up being one of the vicious things I've ever been in. Right, so we're talking uh, fighting and car crashes and babies and stuff like that. Well, this one here ended up being a huge riot where death was occurred, you know. So <coughs> Chinatown, this little part of Honiara, ended up getting burnt down. You know, a lot of people were, were in these buildings at the time. A lot of people running around scared. So it was kind of versus... It was... Oh. It's like the local population decided all of a sudden that they didn't want the Chinatown to to exist. So so they destroyed it and everybody in it. That was the goal. But when it happened, I was actually on a foot patrol going through it when it broke out. So I had fires all around us. You could hear hear people in these buildings. You couldn't do anything about it. It's not like I could just run into a fucking burning building and come out, no worries, you know. So you actually couldn't. There was nothing we could do, and then we got ordered to retreat.
1: So, just to to set the scene a little bit more, you said like you're on foot patrol, so you're within your platoon, is that what you would talk?
2: Yeah, my section, so it's 10 of us. So,
1: 10 of us, so 10 of you are just like walking along, just patrolling. Yep. Because, yeah, I'm guessing you kind of like policing.
2: Yeah, hearts and minds, just talking and, Mm. you know, just being out and about, a presence. Yeah. Because there's more to it than that, you know, there's a lot of local wars, there's a lot of violence happening. yeah so we were there to stop that, yeah, so that pr-
1: relief and aid, and
2: presence was a big one, yeah and um so yeah, we're always out and about being seen the mm. so next thing this
1: this violence has kind of like erupted around you, and there's only ten of you, yeah. even though you're armed and and everything yep, and so what have you put the call call back that this is happening, or you they knew it was happening or
2: oh they already knew it was happening, yeah, yeah, they knew we were out there um we we got the orders to retreat back to the prison. But to get back there, we had to go through carnage man it was it was it was intense. There was one moment there where I heard a scream, so I turned around I was a section gunner, so I had the machine gun. everyone else had rifles, and I was at the I was at the rear and i heard the I heard the scream and I turned around and I seen this little Asian lady, old, old, so you know gray hair, wrinkles. Couldn't put an age to her or such, but she was old, and she had a young one wrapped up in her arms. And she was she seen us and just saw hope. You would seen it in her face. It went from fear to to hope. And she ran straight towards us. As she started coming towards us, around the corner, come this big crowd. <coughs> now this crowd looked violent, like really violent. You know, I saw I saw all sorts of all sorts of weapons, as right from bricks to axes. A lot of machetes a lot of anything and everything you could pick up and swing or throw it was was there so I stopped I stopped and I turned around I seen her coming I thought she can get to me before they can get to them so I stayed there as she ran towards me I sort of gave her the nod to go around me and just keep going and then I lifted up my weapon, pointed it at the crowd. Now, that was just a threat, like it was a threat to stop. Like, stop, man, or otherwise I'm, <laughs> I'd have to open fire if I'd if end up being in any sort of danger. At that stage, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. in any danger, because they just had handheld things. If they threw a brick, well, I'd just step to the side or something, you know? Um, but it was more of a a warning to stop, yeah, turn around and, and leave us alone sort of thing. Uh, they didn't. They didn't stop. They kept coming. They kept coming. I was yelling out. I was yelling out to stop. I was doing my hand signals and I was doing all the all the right things. I thought about firing off a warning shot. So I cocked the weapon. And then I thought, nah, if I fire a warning shot, that's just going to alert a lot of other stuff. So yeah. so I, I thought, nah, I better not, better not do that. There hasn't been any gunshots yet. They got it. They got within about ten meters, I would say. Yeah, about ten meters. Now I'm starting to think, all right, I'm, I, this is pretty close now. And then all of a sudden, the the front line just stopped. Right, I, I cocked the weapon, uh, I took took it off safety, and I was about to pull the trigger. I, I was thinking about pulling the trigger. Right, and I was thinking, man, yeah. like if I open it up here, it's not just this is this is going to be carnage. It's yeah. a machine gun. There's lines of people. These rounds go through people and hit other people behind them. You know, so it's gonna.
1: What what a decision to to be put in.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I was, I didn't want to, but I was going. And then all of a sudden, yeah, the front line stops, but they're getting pushed forward by the crowd behind them. And then I hear this foot. <laughs> I hear this pain. Get your ass back here! <laughs> I turn around, and the rest of the boys had lined up behind me, and <gasps> we all, all in in ready to open fire as well. Yeah, oh, so shit. I was like, oh fuck, thank fuck for that. So I ran off, and yeah, didn't you have to, in. yeah, didn't have to do that, and we got that lady out of there.
1: I wonder what would have happened if if the boys hadn't turned around. Like, you know, if you like, let's just say, you know, you're by yourself in that situation. Like,
2: you know. Yeah, it dif- would have yeah, been a different story. Different story, yeah. But as, as part of being a soldier, you're always checking your mates. You yeah. always turn around, you're always looking. Um, since I was focused on this lady and, and the danger in front of me, I didn't pay any attention to mm. what was going on with the lads, but they turned around, they saw everything, yeah. passed it up the line because it's a staggered formation. So yeah, 10 guys between me being the 10th one up to the front it's a, it's a big stretch
1: yeah and that's a tight unit you know you've trained for that you know yeah, yeah. that's the whole thing so like in that moment did you know like the boys would have had your back like you would know that you know Yeah. I suppose you're not thinking that but you nah, just know he, that they're there yeah
2: yeah you but it, was, it was damn good to see too when I turned around and they were all there you know yeah. and I was like oh sweet yeah. I remember <laughs> so you telling me sure. the
1: other day when you were talking about um, um, people picking fights with you in, in bars and you said like you know when you're in the army like you're, you're taught to have each other's back you know you've got to you're a tight unit so if someone's getting picked on you got to or, or, yeah you know, got to look after him
2: yeah if you can't look after mm-hmm. your mates in a, in your own country through something as simple as a as a fist fight you know when it comes down to it we've, we've got each other's lives in each other's hands
1: on the battlefield
2: on the battlefield man yeah yeah and you could see one of them get blown away right in front of you and you still got to keep going we <clears throat> Did that fear
1: come back? You know, like that fear that you said you had in that first fight? Did you have that fear when you're in the army, like in situations like that, did you see that fear come up again and you were able to override definitely.
2: it? Oh definitely. Like but it was it wasn't an override, it was just yeah, this is it, like it's just normal now. Yeah. Right. Like, when I when I'm in that state of, of fear, it's just normal. Like I said, it's just like laughing or crying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What what happened that day at the um behind the police station?
2: Oh, that was yeah, yeah, well that was um that was on an outpost, so it's a little island. And um we were staying at a police station and our job then was to go around to the villages and just escort the police and the police would explain law to them, you know, saying, you know, you can't do these certain things anymore. And um Yeah, it was downtime, cruised out, I thought all right, I need to go and take a piss so I thought I'd straight out the back of the police station went down oh, I was about five meters away from the building itself and uh, took a slash and as I looked down um, I don't notice that I'd um, uncovered a bit of earth and it, and it, there was this smooth round yellowy shape and it didn't didn't quite look right it didn't look like a rock didn't look like I was, I was taking Taking my guess, I said, what, what is that? So I got a stick and sort of kicked it out of the way and that, and un- uncovered a skull. And uh, that was that was mad. So I'm behind a police station and I just uncovered a skull. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, was it? <laughs> so I cruised in and I got the corporal and I was like, man, you need to come check this out. Yes, and we got the right people out there. They dug it up and it was a female skeleton holding on to an infant. Yeah, so there was two of them in there.
1: Do you know how she got in there?
2: I don't know. That, that's as far as I know. As far as that goes, it just the the right people took over from there. Yeah.
1: With stuff like that in foreign countries, you know, like and you're there to kind of police it. Like, is there a lot of stuff you, like that that you have to turn a blind eye to? No,
2: you don't. It's not a blind eye. It's um, pass pass it on. So you yeah, you use like, it. You do your job. Yeah. Yeah, and like, we don't deal with skeletons. Yeah. you know, So. Yeah, someone so else does
1: so, that yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so how how long were you in the army for
2: Oh, uh, all up nine years
1: and so yeah nine years and all that time those tours were all around the solomons
2: when i got back from that tour oh that was intense man like that was really intense like um yeah i won't i won't go into it too much because it, it, it kind of sucks but um after that i was thinking to myself you know like that there was a ride right. i dealt with it all good i had to do a see a few counselors and stuff afterwards and talk about a few things and it was more of a uh I guess an eye opener of of like, do I want to carry on doing this, sort of thing. Um,
1: Is that by seeing how brutal the world can be?
2: Yeah, yeah. You think you you, like I didn't join the army to go to war, as such. I I joined to, especially the New Zealand Army because we do a lot of lot of help more than actual fighting as such so we'll go in there and we'll do the peace key we'll keep the enemy away from the innocent people that just want to live their lives and stuff like that so we'll definitely fight and we're, we're classed as um you know some of the top soldiers in the world and yeah just dealing as an individual dealing with with a lot of that sort of stuff yeah it makes you think it makes you think do i want to see that again you know, do I really want to go through that sort of stuff again? So, I noticed in um back home, back in the camp there, I noticed some soldiers like ordering these kids around. Like, there's a whole bunch of kids and they're forming them up and they're putting them through their paces and really, really. And so I questioned it. I said, what, "What's going on over there?" And they they were like, "Oh, that they're, they're all the all the young criminals and stuff like that come in to be sorted out." And something inside me just went, oh fuck! I want to, I want to see what that's all about. And they're like, no, nah, you don't, man. They're just little shits. And, you know, and I said, no, I actually do, I actually want to go. So I went and sussed it out, and I guess uh, it's it's not a boot camp as such. It's um, it's a six week course. You get court ordered, kids come in, um, kids on benefits, going nowhere in life. They think they're shit, they think they're useless, they think no one likes them, so they don't like anyone or yeah. anything like that. And um, so they come in, they get, it's more of a motivational type wake-up wake you wake call, yeah. I suppose. I suppose you could say. Um, so I got into that. And, oh, mate, this is where my career as a youth worker started. So I was a soldier in the New Zealand Army working with young ones. Yeah, you know, and Is it? they would come into us like dead looks in their eyes. The feeling like you could feel their sad lives. Like you could actually see it and you could feel it in them. So I got to know know these kids, eh, and learnt techniques of breaking down barriers that they've built up over the years to cope with their lives. Real horrible stories, man. Like real horrible stories. These some of the stuff these kids have been through is just amazing, and still be able to function. Yeah. Kind of. You know. Um, we had a 98% success rate of reoffenders never reoffending again. Employment. You know, they they they're out there working, contributing to the society, sort of as best best that they can do. But mainly, it was to let them know that they are better than what they think they are because all their lives they've just been told that shit. You
1: know? do, you, do you feel you got into that because you saw yourself in them?
2: I do not see myself in them. I saw what I could do for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: But what's that like, you know, like, you know, the old story, the old saying, you can't help someone until they help themselves. What's that like when you've got a teenage, like, renegade who's just not willing to listen, not willing, and he's just like, he's been so, like, you know um, had such a brutal life he's got he's holding so much trauma there like how how do you have the patience how do you have the I don't
2: have patience I smash through it real fast like I'm not there to muck around I'm there yeah. to help you you know like what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll make them hit their crisis point you know so I'll put them under pressure I'll I'll just be on their back I'll be breathing down their neck I'll be telling them things just to snap them to get to that point where they want to attack you, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you've been attacked. Um, that can that can last a couple of seconds, or the longest longest one was that I that I remember was eight minutes. You know, this kid tried to not just just hit me, but actually tried to hurt me. Like he was trying to. He was so angry, so frustrated, so full of hate. And he came ag- up against me that couldn't do anything. No matter how much he used his anger and hate, he could not do anything. It got him nowhere. All it got him was tired.
1: <laughs> yeah, so pretty much he's just throwing a huge tantrum.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, beyond tantrums, mate. If you, Yeah, it's this is...
1: This is like a fifteen-year-old kid with nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah, yep. nothing to
2: lose. Nothing to lose, man.
1: And so he doesn't care if he lives or dies. He's just no. like fuck you, fuck society, fuck yep. the world. Yep. And you're you're sitting there going, all right, come at me, because and I, and you, I, I suppose as like the honourable man, as like the um as the warrior, you're standing there to in a, in a way you have to stand there in that that anger coming at you to show him, you know what I mean? In a way, if you can stand there and hold that space for him that whole time. And, like, tire him out, you can show him hope. Well... Is that, like, the the philosophy behind that?
2: Kind of, yeah. No, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Because once it's over and done with...
1: And you're still there. You haven't run away. You haven't turned your back on him.
2: But you're still there for him.
1: Yeah, you're like, you're done, mate? Now, can we move on?
2: Yeah, you're done now? Yeah, I'm done. Well, come with me, man. We'll sit down. Yeah, and and he's probably sitting there
1: going, well, no one's still been here. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember you said to me, like, um, when you were telling me that you, you work in the... Is it what I... Is it Max... The youth... Yeah, Max, youth,
2: youth detention now. Yeah, now. yeah,
1: you work in youth detention. You said, um... Oh, what did you say to me about... Yeah, about showing those kids that there's hope still that, like, their whole life they've they've had nothing to live for kind of thing? Yeah. You no know
2: one, No one wants these kids, man. No one wants them.
1: Yeah, and so they want to hurt before they get hurt because yeah. that's all they've been... Yeah.
2: They'd, they'd rather hurt you than let let you close to them so that they can be hurt
1: so that's how they deal with the world yep
2: Yep. everyone everyone and everyone no one is allowed close to these kids because everyone in their life so far that has been close and we're talking mums dads uncles Mm. neighbors friends family have hurt them now now i just say that word but you can use your imagination on on what that means yeah and it's pretty horrific pretty horrific stuff So now they're just damaged beyond repair, these ones, the ones that I work with anyway. Yeah. They're just constantly trying to just hurt people because that's all they know.
1: When you're at the detention centre here, you know, like it's, you know, you got used in a detention centre, you know, and we all know, like, um, even though I haven't been to prison, but we all all know, like, the, the inside stories of what happens in prison and everything. Do you... Do you face that on a daily basis? Do you have like kids coming at you with like shivs or like all the time?
2: Yeah, yeah, all the time. I'm actually a trophy for the kids. If you can take me down, that's a big claim in in my workplace, anyway.
1: So what kids try to do that, on, yeah, on a just, daily basis. Yeah,
2: yeah it's just so they can say they took. Yeah, I got them.
1: Has anyone ever got you? No. <laughs> so what's a day in the life in the detention center then?
2: It's intense. So at the moment I'm I'm a I'm a senior, so I, I've got staff underneath me and I run the unit. Um, I train the staff to deal with these kids, and I also work with the kids to at least have some sort of level of respect for the staff. That's the hard part to get that. That's really hard. So I guess when I go to work, I put my mask on. All right, so I'll put on my mask. And i and I'm now that guy.
1: What do you mean? You mean by mass like your 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 alter ego, like yeah, the yeah. other the yeah. other you. The yeah. Steve. Yeah. Not Steve Payne, the Steve Payne. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's bringing <laughs> pain, that guy.
2: Yeah. So there's no nonsense, no tolerance, no mm. if you wanna step out of line, man, I'm I'm smacking you straight back in it. Yeah. You know. Um yeah, so figure of speech there. So are you always on guard? Always. Always. Right, there's not a moment where you're not on guard. Like right, you're always on guard, always. If the moment you're not, that's when things are going to go down.
1: Would Would you mind giving us in a scenario like a, of, like a time something happening?
2: All right. So, being out in the unit itself, when I'm out there, it's okay. Like right, the 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 young ones tend to, they know that they can't get away with much as i leave the unit and just leave my staff out there that's when they start playing up so um <coughs> a couple of kids will like grab staff drag them near to a door use their keys to open up the door and then they'll grab um, mops and brooms and stuff like that and like snap them in half and now they've got they've got weapons you know they'll they'll grab the phones off and smash the phones off and they've now got weapons um, they they bring out all their little homemade shivs and stuff like that prior to coming out of their cells. Um, it's pre-planned. So, so this it, is like a riot, prison this, riot. This is There's a riot, yeah. Youth this,
1: prison riot.
2: It's now a riot, yeah. yeah.
1: And this has happened?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All the time or just...?
2: The riots themselves. If I'm not around, it'll, it's quite easily done and it does happen quite often, yeah it's it's hard it's hard a lot of my um work mates have walked away with broken limbs you know gashes punched in the face multiple times things like that and these people aren't like me these people are there to help these kids they think they're coming into a job where they get to work with young ones and help them Mm. but they're not they don't know that they're working in into such damaged young lives that it's pretty much beyond help. You know.
1: So how do you deal so so what happens? So they've they've jumped a couple of guards, they've dragged them in, taken their keys, grabbed some brooms, some weapons, now they're you know, the energy in the in the in the in the prison, in the detention centre
2: is Well we yeah. got we've got um you know, procedures that we follow to deal with this sort of stuff. You know, like um, we've we've got the right gears that we put on ourselves. We're going to the shields, all that sort of thing. It's all verbal de-escalation first. Yeah. You know, and we and that's the main goal is to verbally de-escalate them. But uh, you know, once they're heightened, they're in that state. It's just not happening. Me personally, I like to match aggression with aggression, but controlled aggression. Mm. So it comes down to like having that fight again, but without hurting them. like we've got set amount of moves that we're legally allowed to do you know you can't just go running in there with a the shield and bashing kids around and stuff they're still kids Yeah. You know, so you've got to be able to go in there so, like restrain them properly without causing injury and that's a hard thing to do when this kid's trying to take your head off yeah, you know, you, yeah.
1: have yeah. you ever had one come at you with a shiv?
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and what have you done?
2: I sort of laugh at them dance around dodge. I'll tell him to have another go. You missed, mate. Try harder. You know, and that messes with the heads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I like to put on a bit of a show, because at the end of the day, it's just a kid. Just a child. Yeah. You know, so, you want to have a, have a have a shot. I, and I always, quite often use the term, I want to go at the shot at the title, mate. Alright, yeah. alright. Let's go there. Let's go. See what you got. You know, and then you... Nine times out of ten, they just go, oh, fuck this. And they drop the shiver and go, put me in my cell. And yeah, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> Can't open up the cell door and then they go. Yeah. yeah. But what, um,
1: what, what are those moments in lo- like when you can actually get through to the, one of these youths? Like when you ac- can actually get them to see the light and you can actually get them to... Like- well, that,
2: that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal, man. Back home, I could do it Regularly. Unfortunately, over here and this is just my opinion is um, there's too much rules and regulations on how to work with these children you know um, it's all trauma informed training and stuff and there is a place for it but it's not the be all and end all to help these kids mm. yeah, sometimes you've just got to be
1: because it doesn't relate to their world
2: no nah, doesn't
1: because their world is a brutal world mm-hmm. so if you come up with little flowers and roses they're going to go what are flowers and roses
2: yeah they'll burn them yeah mm. Yeah
1: it's it, it's funny to if
2: you if you turn up and you match them you know you can be like yeah that you as a as a man that can control his aggression can, can control his feelings and can put it into a positive space and show them you know like you just tried to kill me man mm.
1: that's all right that's the honorable man I, there's a there's a thing um in zentori the samurai and uh, the emperor, you know, gets his, the emperor sends the samurai around to behead this guy for, for raping and pillaging, I think it was, something like this. So the samurai goes around to this guy's house and he knocks on the door. And the guy comes to the door and he says, oh, I'm here to behead you. And the guy spits in his face. So he withdraws his sword and walks away. And the next day he, he comes around and the samurai knocks on the guy's door and he opens his door says, oh, the emperor sent me to behead you. And he spits in his face and he walks away. The third day he goes around and he says, same thing. He opens the door and the, the, the rapist stands there and says, oh, you've come to behead me. He says, yeah, and he pulls his sword out and, and cuts his head off. Now, the, the moral to that story, I, th- I think it was Bordeaux, it was in Centauri anyway, but um, was like acting out of love still and compassion, like being able to strike still. So it's like, one is striking with anger. The the samurai wouldn't strike with anger. When the guy spat in his face, he wouldn't strike.
0: Mm.
1: You know what I mean? But it was like, the thing was, it was like, everything has its place. And so, like, I'm relating to that, to like this. It's like, those kids, you know, they're striking at you. You know what I mean? But you're only striking back in love. You're only striking back in like, you know, to protect yourself. But to say like, you know, like showing like, love, you're not doing it out of anger. And as soon as you do it out of anger, it's not going to get anywhere.
2: No, no, you just, you just feeding what made them into these kids already
1: yeah yeah i think that's a pretty powerful thing to do and like i i remember it happening to me like when i was a kid you know like you know like losing losing it and someone being able to stand there and, and then hold that space for you you know
2: yeah no it gets intense
1: so what's next for you and steve like is, is would you say that that that's your like why you've been put on this earth would you say like that
2: I think I've already achieved that back home in New Zealand. Over here, it's it's too frustrating for me, man. Like, I'm I'm bound too hard out by rules and regulations to actually be able to help these kids. So, it's actually very hard knowing that I can actually I can work with these kids and get them thinking that they are a lot better and they don't have to be these people that they think they are but to get to that stage it's so intensive that it's classed as you're you're reliving trauma in these kids yeah you know so they don't allow you to actually do it yeah yeah and that's hard to deal with because i know that when you do you get results
1: so what, what would you say? That, like, let's say someone's listening to this that does have extreme anger issues or someone that does, like, have that hate against the world that someone that, does, that doesn't that does trust. You know what I mean? You know, like, you meet those people that are so against the world and just don't trust anyone. Mm. You know, like, what's your advice for those people? I
2: can't give them verbal advice, man. Yeah. It, it It's... I'd, I'd have to... I'd have to meet the person and then go with whatever happens from there on and yeah. lead it. Mm. Lead it. But, uh... It all comes down to that whole gut instinct, dude. Right, Mm. the whole gut instinct, you know. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but it's just how it is these days over here.
1: Yeah. It seems to be like the gut instinct is like, that is the instinct of the fighter. That is the instinct of the honorable man. And I kind of like in this conversation, like, you've shown your honor within you as a fighter. You know what I mean? By saying, like, you know, like, explaining, like, the no ego, explaining, you know, like, you, how you live your own truth. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like honor, you know what I mean? And I, I see you do it, I see you do it with the young fella that you work with here. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You lead by example, mm-hmm. you know? You're like you show him like you have that honor but you still have that strength. You know, it's this, and I always think about like, it's weird, I wrote on my phone this week as a reminder to come up every morning like be your own hero. Because I always think about the hero to be your honourable self, to be that higher version of yourself is the hero. But who's the hero? The hero is someone who has to go into their fear. The hero is someone that has to dance in the underworld. You know what I mean? They have to to go into their fear to dive down into the underworld to to fight the dragon. You know what I mean? You know, it's like love versus ego, you know?
2: Definitely. You definitely have to do that. I like that, man. I like that. No, it was, it's just something. To say. It, it was weird. It's something be your that own hit me. Hero, yeah.
1: It was something that hit me in the um, when I was in Iceland last time, when I was in the mountains, and I was like, the mountains have such power there. And, you, and I was looking at them, and I suddenly had this realization of like the idea of gods and what gods are, because you're sitting there looking at so much power, and they're and they're so um, they believe in you know trolls. They're so um, what's the word? Um, you know, when you believe, uh, they're so superstitious. Yep. And I started thinking about, like, the, the idea of gods, you know what I mean? And that power and, like, to dance in this, like, realm that I was dancing in, you had to go into your fear the whole time because evil was all around you. And by, I mean, by evil, I mean, like, harsh environment, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I started thinking about, like, that in life in every scenario, like, being the honorable self, isn't it? you know, you have to have that strength to stand up for yourself, you have to have that strength to say, like, but still with love, to be like, hey, this is not okay, but it's like, I'm still going to be here with love and hold that space but it's not okay. You know, it's just like the honourable self. Yeah. And so like you do that with those kids, you stand up and like you hold that space for them and you stand there in love and like kind of fight back in a way and say this is not cool, this is not all right, but I'm still here.
2: Well, I've I've done that for thousands now, thousands of kids. And I uh, the reason I moved to Australia was uh, due to the earthquakes in Christchurch, New Zealand. And um, that destroyed us. Absolutely destroyed us. We, me and my family, we we lost everything, and uh like even my car, like the neighbor's chimney bounced off the roof and landed on my car. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> you know? just took down everything. Just fucking smashed it. So, um, that 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 experience there, you know that that's another one. It, it was all reactions. So it was early hours of the morning everyone's asleep you know i've got my twin girls in bunks in their room and i've got my my oldest girl who's sleeping in a single bed in her room there was me and my partner and we were we were out to it and then we get woken up to this violent sound and i was being shaken out of the bed ah oh, probably about a foot high you know, so you're you, you're coming out of off the off the mattress at least a, a foot high. It was rocking it that much. Um, instantly, t- instantly, it was an earthquake. I knew it straight away. But like you couldn't it couldn't be anything else. Um, so the first first thought was We've got to get to the kids. You know, I've got to get to these kids. Um, so I told I told Tasha at the time um, get get to Tyler. Like just get to Thailand get in a doorway and I'll grab the twins so I jumped out of bed and the ground's moving from left to right by at least a meter so you've got to get through this my bedroom doorway and it's moving a meter each side How, yeah everything is moving a meter each side and you've got to run through that doorway so he, and mind you you're just woken up too so yeah, your body's yeah. asleep your mind's not your mind's like alert as hell so it's react now so i timed i timed the door and i had to do this this crazy sidestep run just to be able to move with the way the ground was moving and i went through through my doorway and i turned to my right had to go down a little little hallway while this is happening i could hear picture frames falling off the walls I could hear all the plates and cups coming out of cupboards I can hear like smashing the rumble of the ground the the just the noise of everything falling apart around you and the the screams from from the girls you know they're freaking out um, so I got through my doorway and then I turned to my right looked at there and the I've got a slamming door, so and hit their doorways moving away from you, and then coming closer towards you, so their door's slamming as well, so I've just ran straight at it, shouldered the door, because it, yeah, it knocked, it, it slammed into me, turned around, and here's the bunks, like they're on bunks, in an earthquake, 7.1 on the rectus tail this earthquake was, and um, my little girl up the top Ruby she was sitting there just hanging on just just rocking around and I went to reach up and grab her and the bunk bed the top bunk bed smashed me in the chest which sent me flying and as I hit the ground their chest of drawers fell on me and in that moment there I just went fuck this yeah. And, I, and I just superhumaned it, man. Like, it's it amazing. Like, I think about it now, I'm just like, how did I do that? But I just stood up and threw, flicked it off me like it was nothing. I remember a big solid chest of drawers, I just flicked it off me. Like, it wasn't even there. Uh, like, like I've a seen blank. you in the gym. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you in the gym. Right. No, no, but, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> threw threw that off me, and I was like looking at these bunks again, and I timed it. And this is that whole split-second thing. Like, I was just going with reaction. Like, I knew that if I didn't do this, something was going to happen. And, and the twins were only little. You know, I didn't want her coming off this bed and having jaws and shit fall on her. So I just gunned it straight at the, at the bunk bed, latched onto it. I shouldered into it and latched onto it. And then reached up and grabbed Ruby and pulled her in. She wrapped herself around my neck round my wrapped her legs around my waist. While I was doing that, my other twin girl Bailey just bear hugged my leg. She just
1: jumped on just
2: jumped on and grabbed my leg. So I had Ruby all latched onto my chest and around my neck and I had Bailey around my leg. And I was just I like, just hang on girls and just hang on and I could feel they were like they were they were like magnets man. They all just like clinged on. So I got into the doorway with the slamming door, um, put my back on that, locked myself in the doorway, and called out to Tash. And she was sitting in the doorway with with my other daughter, Tyler. And that moment there, I've never been so terrified, bro. (laughs)
1: Because that's your family, man.
2: so um, I couldn't get out of the house there was no way that I could get out of that house with everyone it was um, a feeling of powerlessness like I could not do a thing it was just too much for me to be able to get my children out of that house and at least into the safety of of open ground or something Uh, Yeah, it kept going, it kept shaking, the noise got louder, all I could hear was smashing all around me windows busting you know, um, just the, the noise was just, I've never heard the earth make a, a growling noise for and that's exactly what it was. It was, it was nasty. Um, it seemed to go on forever, eh? but then it stopped. And then I saw my moment. So I, I ripped Bailey off me, ripped Ruby off me. Clung them to their mum, and just said, "Just stay there. I'll be back." Went down the, went down the hallway into the lounge room. And we had this big oak, big wooden oak table. It took uh, five of us to get it into the house. And uh, still don't. It, it was it was one of them superhuman moments again, man. I just reached over the side, of the side. I just picked it up. I just picked this fucking huge oak table up to get it away from the the windows. It was all... It was in a corner of a room and the whole lot was windows. And I thought, well, I can't can't have that there because it's just going to smash it in that. So I picked it up and I just ran it into the lounge room. Um, put it in the middle of the, of the lounge room, ran in, grabbed some mattresses, put it all in, made this big mattress fort, really. It's got the kids. Got, um... Got the misses and it was just like, get in there. And, um, chucked them all under this, this big, sturdy, soft, comfortable, safe haven, I suppose, that I could make at the time. And when I looked down under there, there was, that was it, there was no room for me to get in there. So I stayed out and turned around and I was like, righto, you guys just stay there, I need to go and check the neighbours but that moment of I've always been able to do something yeah in that one moment the realisation of you can't do anything except write it out and hope for the best was was terrifying I wasn't yeah. just afraid I was terrified
1: because you couldn't control it. there was nothing
2: nothing man Nothing This house was going to fall in on us I just I just pictured it Just pictured everything Just Like getting crushed and Having your kids wrapped around you Getting crushed and All this was going through my head I was thinking Mm. shit this could happen And if this doesn't stop soon Because I could I could feel the house getting weaker Because it's shaking man It's shaking And all the joints and everything's just Falling apart You know And um yeah that was hard it was real hard
1: what did that that do for you like like i've had one moment like that which is the first episode of this podcast and that's when i got kidnapped in india and that was like the the whole thing about that was i was in this moment where i always thought that no matter what i'd be able to do something and it was like this moment that i couldn't i felt so powerless like and it was something that after I, i completely broke down it wasn't it wasn't even about the the trauma i'd gone through it was about the fact that i didn't have this i suddenly was powerless like whatever was going to happen was going to happen like what that trauma for you is that like the first time you're being in that moment was that what it was just complete just no power just nothing you could do like like how did that make you feel like how did that reflect on your life now now yeah like knowing that that's a possibility sometimes
2: now it's the the effect that it has on me now is I I've I look for escape routes now all the time, like going into shopping malls and stuff like that. I hate it, you know. Like, I, yeah, I'm always looking. where's the next closest exit? Was the, was yeah. <laughs> the sturdiest part of this building that you could get under and all that sort of thing? Because that moment was nuts, absolutely yeah. nuts.
1: It was traumatizing.
2: Ah, oh, it's full on. It was full on, but the moment it stopped. I could do something, so I did
1: again, that's that fear and yeah. and going into it, so did you run to the neighbors
2: yeah yeah once once my my family was as safe as I could make them because you know aftershocks are coming, yeah, that's the other thing i had I had limited time to get them safe because these aftershocks were definitely coming, and um so I jumped over, I had two neighbors living on one side, one neighbor living at the rear two neighbours on the other side, so I just did the rounds, and they were, all, they were all fine, they were actually all fine, and everything was cool, and I got back to my kids, and and um, yeah, we just rode out the aftershocks together.
1: What was that like coming out, what was it like in, in Queenstown at the time, coming out like, you know, like after, the aftermath, like coming out the actual energy of the place, coming out to see the devastation, the destruction, the actual vibe with the with, with the community.
2: Uh, Christchurch. I yeah. mean Christchurch, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, bonding, man. Like, people pulled together. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, you knew neighbours that you never said hello to have been for. You know, um a sense of community started to build. Everybody started focusing on looking after each other. Um, you know, um, giving what little that they had, because it was just terrifying. it was it was it was really, really bad, eh? Yeah. Like, um you had to glad wrap up all your toilets so there's no sewage system and stuff. We ended up having uh, neighborhood uh, long drop competitions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could build the best toilet on their backyard, you know. Um, helping out, just every time there was an aftershock, we were, we were checking on everyone. Um, we lived with 10 to 15 earthquakes a day and about 5 to 7 a night for a year. And that's um, every day and every night for a whole year. And it just got to a point there where just wasn't good anymore it's too scary H- hence why I'm now living in Australia
1: yeah mm. I suppose especially when you've got a family to worry about
2: yeah yeah definitely definitely with them little ones <clears throat> so yeah, I'm um, going back to uh, being, being a hero mm. as such my daughters have told me that many a times many a times mm. you know you're yeah, my hero dad and hearing that's pretty. It's different because, I'm in that state of mind where I couldn't actually do anything. Yeah. And then you they're looking at you as you're a hero. But I couldn't do a thing. That's so it was. Mm.
1: Like you feel like you don't deserve that title in that in that space.
2: Yeah. But yeah.
1: But you do, and at the end of the day, too, it's like you know the only people that that matters for that believe that in you is them you know
2: yeah
0: yeah and it's
2: like
1: that's that's the ultimate that's your that's what being a father is is providing security you know what i mean
2: definitely know what you mean but for me personally it just brings back that whole feeling of just sitting in that house that's rocking and about to fall over and not being able to do anything and they call you a hero. Mm. It's it's kind of conflict con, uh, yeah, it's a bit conflicting within myself. Yeah. But I'll never take that away from them. Yeah. You know, I'll never I'll never say no not to them or anything like that, but yeah. It's 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 interesting. It's it's pretty hard to live with. Um, do you feel like you could have done more in that moment? No. Mm. That's, you that's that was when, the whole thing. That was it. There was nothing that I could do. There's no way I could get everybody out without being smashed off walls and knocked over and mm. out to. And the safest, like, it, I don't think it would have been possible to get out of there.
1: They actually call that
2: moment. They call it the sublime. Now that the sublime can be can
1: be a positive, it could be a negative like that. Like, the, well, this is my my take on it. And I had that i've had two sublime moments and one was in the mountains and the other one was at sea sailing across the malacca strait and it was like that moment where i was sitting at sea looking out and looking at these storms and knowing that it can take you at any second you know what i mean that you're just nothing yeah they call that the sublime it's like that realization of just like it's nothingness like you're just nothing no you know in the grand scheme of things but at the same time the sublime is like the the for me is the the counteract or the, the the contrary is that the word for that is that you're nothing but you're everything at the same time yeah you know because it's confusing you're sitting there this dot in the middle of the ocean and there's nothing you can do you can be taken at the at any second but at the same time you're this dot in the middle of the ocean that's there you know and it's like this conflicting like thing that it's so hard to like explain that moment to anyone
2: yeah it's it's powerful that's for sure very powerful I've had those moments myself out, out at sea. I do a lot of fishing, and I, I tend to go out quite far and that, and I don't I know what you're talking about. right? Mm. Like you're just a dot in the middle of the sea.
1: Yeah, and that ocean can take you at any
2: time. Any time.
1: You know, if the, you know, it decides to turn. And that's the thing. It's like I remember when I um, interviewed Alyssa Azar about being the first or the youngest Aussie to climb Everest. She said, you know, like, Everest, let her live you know what i mean it's just like that the mountains let you live you know what i mean like yeah. mother nature lets you and like in that moment it was like in a, in a she, way she spared us there was nothing you could do mm. you know what i mean it was up to mother nature but it's like it let you walk away from that yeah but that's the hardest thing to like to, to acknowledge sometimes is that like you know there is like this thing that's so much bigger than us sometimes mm. it's humbling yeah, but at the same time. time it's traumatizing like like that experience you had
2: yeah i don't like that word humbling Traumatising.
1: Traumatising. Yeah. Or learning experience.
2: Uh, yeah. You've, it's more of a learning experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're not that great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can do the best you can, man, but you're not that fucking great. I you know? know my, my neighbour <laughs> said to me
1: not too long ago, he said, um, oh, he was doing something. I said, oh, I'll, I'll do it, mate, you know, just in case. And he goes, he, he said, um, he goes, look, if it's my time to die no what he say he goes when my time's up my time's up I'm not going to fight it yeah. you know what I mean and he he's, he's this Sri Lankan Buddhist guy and he, he started talking to me about the idea of accepting death and once you do that you can live your life free Yeah. and it was like the most interesting conversation and basically it's just going into that fear yeah. once you accept the worst possible outcome you know what I mean like like you were saying like that first fight accept it feel it that's the fear now go on with it Yeah. live life you know like, if you time's up, your time's up your time's up you know
2: yeah a lot of, lot of, um, there's a lot of, lot of little short stories through that whole period of those earthquakes for the year, and one of them was, uh, I went and done another neighbour check. Right, like every time there was a decent-sized sort of earthquake, you, you just naturally went and checked your neighbours. The ones at the rear, they were an elderly couple, and I'm talking elderly, man, they were in, you know, late 80s, and I went around there one day and they didn't answer the door, but I could hear the wife. She was kind of making a... a, uh, It's hard to explain what noise she was making, but it was... A whimpering strain would be the best way to describe the noise that I could hear. Um, The door was locked, so I just thought, right, I'm going in. So I kicked open the door, and what I saw there was... You know majority of the older folk have a big China cabinet full of all the yeah. all the bits and pieces and stuff well this their, their one had fallen on on the husband right had fallen on him and she was there trying to lift this huge cabinet off her husband you know, and she couldn't do it. But she was not going to stop trying you know she wouldn't even stop to open up the door yeah you know she she latched on she was old frail and she was given everything that she had to try and at least just lift this china cap so he could get out and um that was a humbling moment mm. just seeing that like as soon as i opened the door i saw it and I, and i jumped in and 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 i got this i just picked it up and the dude crawled out. You know, he was a tough old bugger, mate. He sort yeah. of fucking crawled out. He's like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He came along looking at him going, fuck, I want to be like you, man. Yeah. You know? But, um, the, the first moment of, of seeing this little old lady who's been married to her husband oh, fuck, six, 60, 70 years. Just wouldn't give up. Yeah. just would not give up. And even though she couldn't do it, she yeah, no, no. D- it didn't matter. She was not going to leave her husband's side to even just open up the door. Knowing that, I check on them after every decent sort of airf- earthquake. Knowing that I was behind that door, she was not going to leave his side. You know, and, yeah. Oh, that's and so, powerful, eh? So that was another follow your follow your instincts man like they're not opening the door I can hear something's not right if I get this door open so I just kicked it open
1: yeah I think this 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 podcast here and like every every podcast I do has like you know insights and powerful lessons but this one this one has such powerful lessons in it and there's the there's the two main ones for me and that's like following the instinct like believing in yourself like really believing in that gut feeling and going with it following that and the other one is um is going into your fear you know what i mean like acknowledging that that's just a feeling and like letting it go to be able to step forward and and act rationally yeah it's like so what what could you say to someone now that like wants to do something but is just too fearful for it you know, like something that with someone in their life, like they're just, you know, and we see it all around us. I have it in parts of my life where there's things that just give me anxiety. They like just make me so scared. Like,
2: I, I oh, I've I've never been a one for having the right words to tell people that sort of stuff. Um. All I can say is accept what it is. It's okay to feel that way. Yeah. It's normal. You should feel that way, but. It's just a feeling. It's not crippling. It's not gonna stop you from achieving anything. You've just gotta accept that it's just a feeling and tell yourself, you know, I've said it a couple of times already, you know, when you're happy, you crack up laughing. You don't stop yourself from laughing when you see something funny, you know. You you, you crack up laughing. You know, um, something sad happens, you know, like you're going to be sad you don't stop yourself from being sad it just happens but since you're so familiar with it it's okay and you can just carry on yeah but when you're when you're afraid frozen in terror and you let that override your senses and your ability to think that's that's where, ah, uh, oh, what, what sort of it? Be?
1: That's where things go wrong.
2: Uh, yep, they go wrong.
1: Because you can't rationalise it. No, nah. all irrational thoughts from
2: that. And it takes. Right. Uh, in my case, it, it sort of I would put it down to, to, to taking the your manhood away. You, yeah. You know you. Taking your power away. Yeah. You know, you, I can look back and be like, I'm proud of what I've done. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that sense of achievement. And is Harriet here in this group? It's like watching, watching her jump off that thing the other day. Do you remember when she froze in fear? We, we talked about she, she froze in fear with this thing that we had to do at work. And, and we talked about, like, the sense of achievement. Like, if you do it, you know how good you're going to feel within yourself. And then do you remember when she went up and did it? She didn't even think. She just went up and nailed it. You know what I mean? But how liberating that was for her, how amazing that was for us, for us to watch someone go into their fear like that, you know? And now, so,
2: it's cool, eh? Yeah. It's cool when you see someone actually go through it and, and you know what, what they're going through and, and facing that sort of stuff. And Especially in the group like you guys, you know, you're you you all coming together. I don't know how long you've known each other or anything like that, but... Um, Spending time get and doing these challenges that you guys do, you know, you're putting yourselves out there, yeah, coming out, making sure everything's safe for someone else to do, yeah, you know, that's that's pretty cool, you know, that's that's pretty cool.
1: I've learned a lot about myself doing it, and I've, and I've watched people have like these growing moments within themselves, like learning and everything. It's been it's been a pretty cool experience. But do you guys as a group, because we've got a barbecue to, to go to in a second, is there do you guys want to pass on any? Anything to Steve, or have you you guys just been enjoying just sitting here and listening to Steve's story? I've
0: enjoyed listening. To
1: oh. Abby's got a question.
0: Hi, sorry. <laughs> um, just going back to Harriet, she actually said to me the other day that I was her, like her moment. So if she saw that I could do it, then she was like, okay, then it's possible for me to do it as well. Yeah, I heard that. So I gave her the confidence to throw herself out of her fears and like throw herself into it and do it herself. And that's what resonated with me before when you were saying, and obviously it's a completely different situation here because this is what you were It sounds
2: pretty much the same, actually. Um,
0: And I was giving her that confidence to throw herself in the deep end and do something that she was initially fucking terrified to do because it was a high, it was high up for her. She's afraid of heights. And throwing yourself into water, you're going to backflop. Or she's, she was, think she was terrified of hitting her head on the p- platform that was behind us. But seeing me do it, that she was like, okay, this is okay. I can do it now.
2: Yeah, you've been looked up to. <laughs> it's a it's to. a weird
0: feeling, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's like
2: I've got to set the standard here.
0: Yeah, it's like, okay, now I've got a responsibility. Now I've <laughs> got to throw myself under the bus consistently. <laughs>
2: Yep. And there's a pressure that comes with that too. So yep. knowing that she's looking at you and, and gonna gonna take her confidence from you doing it, there's a pressure on you. So, well done, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, look, 100% if, is yeah. But that's you
0: scary.
2: <laughs> you doing
1: that now too also gives you inner strength. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when someone believes in you, and that's like when they say like you know like um, surround yourself by like the five people that you surround yourself by are the people you're gonna become. You know what I mean. You surround yourself by the people that motivate you. You know what I mean. You're gonna like become that person. You know. Mm. Anyone else? Everyone's just sitting. there. I think everyone really enjoyed this.
0: Yeah, hell of a story. Yeah,
1: I um I want to take this moment, Steve, to to thank you for your for your time and like just for who you are as a person and even like you know what you've taught me just by like watching you because it's it's something that's like you know when I look at you in the gym or at work or just things it's like it helps it's exactly what what abby was just saying like how you and what you were with you know with your with your army platoon did i get that right no it's not platoon i keep saying that it was section section yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like i look at you and i strive to be the better version of myself because of that you know i'm like oh steve can do it you know oh cheers man yeah, yeah. so I do, I, like yeah thanks for being you and also being someone who comes from the heart with that strength you know and what you do for youth and everything because it's like people like you you know like those honorable people it's like that's what we need more of like my that's what i'm striving to be
2: well um just looking around there i see old uh, shack sitting over there you know um we had a wee wee moment in the gym there and uh he was doubting himself pretty hard he's like i can't do that and i'm like fuck off you can come on man we're just doing uh one reps of the bench press you know piece yeah. of cake and, and and he was he was doubting himself he was <laughs> he's like i can't do it that. and um around the 90 kgs just one rep you can do this and he did it and you see him sort of like fuck i did it yeah and he did it easily so we bumped it up, bumped it up, and bumped it up, and he kept going, and he ended up maxing out at a hundred and twenty kg bench press. So, That's
1: insane! And I was struggling on sixty the other day. You know. <laughs> I know he, t- he told me, and I was like, "Are you kidding me, dude?" Yeah. yeah. And
2: that was a good moment for me, like to, mm. to see Shaq like mm-hmm. actually like jump up and be like, oh, "Fuck I did it!" did yeah. like it's
1: yeah. Actually, to and to give Shaq some appreciation, like like how you're saying, Abby is for Harriet, You know, like Shaq's been one of those people for me. You know, like, there's been a few people within our group. It's like I've been able to see Shaq do some, like, really cool physical things out here. Mm. And it's pushed me to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, the other day watching you get that ring on, (laughs) I couldn't do it. (laughs) It It's just like, you know, and it's just like, you know, I I watch you guys go hard at something. It makes me go hard, you know? Yeah. 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 Draw
2: strength off each other. Yeah. You know, support each other. Stop running each other down. Mm. This is for everyone else out there. Yeah. You know, and... um. Show a bit of love and compassion, man. Like, we're all human. We all fuck up. Yeah, you know. So,
1: yeah, it's like healthy banter is good, but when you do fall down, put the hand down and pick them up. Yeah,
2: damn straight. Yeah, Mm. be that person. Yeah, be that person to reach out and pull someone out of that hole that they can't get out of.
1: Yeah, I reckon that's um, a good thing to leave on. All right, guys, should we go get drunk again like we have every other day? <laughs> All right, guys, thanks everyone. Thanks, Steve, and thanks Thank everyone you. for listening. Bye, guys. I hope you guys like this episode. Now, remember, I've got prizes to give away for whoever shares it for me. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe. Put it on your social media story. Tell your mum. Send me a message. Send me a screenshot. Or I'm just going to see it on Apple Podcasts anyway. Or I'm going to see it on social media. And every week I'm going to pick someone and I'm going to send them an Opinel or knife or a Diaries of the Wild Ones t shirt. Enjoy, guys. And thanks for listening.
0: Yes, <laughs> Jari apa? Jari cinta. Jari apa? cari cewek. Perjuangan baru di sini. Jari yeah, apa? Jari apa? Jari apa? Cinta. Perjuangan baru di sini. I should do like yeah. that for us there. Yeah. Putu baru di sini. I do it like a double.